Believe in yourself, reach out for your dreams. Don't surrender, there is more than it seems. Hold on and fight, follow your heart. This is your way, love is what you make of it. Hi, this is Dr. Joe Luciani, along with my ever-present daughter and co-host, Lauren Simonian, welcoming you to another session of self-coaching, where real-life emotional struggle whether it's depression, anxiety, relationship conflict, losing weight, or simply handling life's challenges are all addressed, teaching you to become your own best coach. Hello, ever-present daughter, Lauren. Hello, Father. Why, uh, why am I ever-present? Well, just because, curious why that's my introduction today. Well, because you're always one to talk about the here and now and being present oh how quickly we forget eh? interesting i thought you meant like i'm always around no that's the perennial daughter got it okay so i'm always in the present moment thank you no we could say you're always the perennial in the moment daughter i love that okay thank you good and today's broadcast is uh i forgot today's title <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, let's just plow on as if as if past, I did remember. Really? No, I got it. I got it. Is the past really the past? Su ah. Subtitle: Using your past to enhance your present. Nice. Nice. That was yeah. worth the wait. Yeah. Sorry, I bungled that. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those days, right? Yeah, I yeah. feel yeah. Before we begin, I, I'm going to start off with a song. And I know you know this song, and I also know everyone in the world knows this song. And it has to do with, it's an old um, Scottish, I believe from a, a poem back in the 17th century. So, you know, I go back with my, my songs, <laughs> but clearly this has a contemporary uh, kind of flavor to it. And it has to do with letting go of the past and moving on, or at least acknowledging the past. So are you ready? Did you just say 17th century song has a contemporary flair? <laughs> just want to make sure I caught that. Uh, let me play it and just see, there you go. You don't trust your own father. It has a flair. You'll understand. Here's, okay. the, song. Here's right. the song. Ready. See, so we we don't really want to forget all of the past, but there are some aspects that that we we need to embrace in order to really have a, pre a present, a better present. So I'm going to start off with a really nice metaphor that will help you grasp where my head has been swimming with this concept for the past 16 years. Are you ready? <laughs> ready. When you buy a used car, right, uh, you're acquiring a car that has a history. Now, maybe the car hit a curb 
and the wheels got misaligned and every time you hit the brake the car will veer to the left and maybe it was in an accident and and now you know the the frame of the car you know is is a bit creaky and so in other words that old car now reflects everything that that car went through and now it's in your present mm -hmm. but it, it is imperative that you you understand that car's history if you are going to use that car in a way that's safe and uh, efficient and 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 i think it's important to understand that we like that car we we tend to embrace all of the bumps and the bruises and the ups and the downs of the past and they they wind up in the present you are always talking about present and here and now kind of stuff but you don't mention much about uh, interpreting or going back or being curious about the past. Is, is, that, is that part of what you don't do or is it just something that we haven't talked about? Mm. Well, I think when you practice presence, you really are trying to liberate yourself from the past and any sort of conditioning or patterning that you might have. And that's why the practice of presence can be so powerful because it allows the present moment to be brand new. But it's almost impossible, contrary to your introduction, <laughs> to be ever present um, because uh -huh. it's it's just not humanly possible to live your entire life in the present moment. Uh, and so I think that- Well, let, let me interrupt a second. Yeah. Go with that concept a second. I mean, for people that really practice being present, what would happen if you were totally present, if you were devoid of your past and had no anticipation of the future? What, what, what do you think would happen? I think it, I think it would be very difficult to exist in our in our world if you didn't have past and future mixed in with presence. Because if you are fully present, then that really means that you're not planning much for the future, which we know can be catastrophic. And um, it also means that you're probably not taking into account the lessons that you've learned from the past. I think there's also space for the past and the future to play a role in the way you shape your life. Mm -hmm. I, think, I think for most of the last century, the Freudian influence was undeniable and certainly uh, analysis consisted of dissecting the past endlessly, you know, uh, you would go back and go back and, and, you know, and I think that 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 has evolved, you know, to more of a, a lot of cognitive behavioral therapy and mindfulness and all that is going on now with with almost an exclusion of the past. But but I do think it's, it, I don't think we should be saying adios to the past. I think, I think that sometimes we well, we do things that that are really a reflection of our past, and we don't realize it. Yesterday, we were walking at, at Lauren's building a new home, and we were walking at the, the site, which is strewn with debris and, and all that <laughs> kind of stuff. And I, I don't know if you remember, but I said to you, "Be careful! Don't 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 fall." I do remember. Yeah, and as as normal and understandable as that is. I heard myself, which I was very, very cognizant of the fact that that was my mother talking. It wasn't me. Ah. And you remember Grandma Mary, she was very cautious and very concerned about things happening and going awry. But but I actually, when I said that, I actually heard her voice through me. Wow. So we have these imprints, and it's kind of it's kind of uncanny just 
just how much our parents and our past and those people that have really imprinted their ways on our mind, how, how they speak through us into the present. Yeah, that's so interesting. And also, I recently was reading an article about generational stress that's actually passed down. I know this isn't exactly the same thing, but I thought it was so interesting. It was an article about the survivors of the Holocaust and how their DNA actually slightly changed uh, because of all of the stress mm. they endured and their children, their offspring had those DNA changes in them. So certain people that have come from a long lineage of families that have been through trauma actually have a um, different way of, of relating to the world. Yeah, I, I guess we can, we could really um, expand that because Going back to Grandma Mary's cautiousness and concern, I'm sure that she probably heard her mother say, right. be careful, don't, so, and, and probably her mother heard her mother, and should I go on down the line? <laughs> <laughs> I, and it's so true. I, I was reading a lot about just parenting in general, and a lot of, you know, there's a lot of talk about how do I break the cycle, and how do I even become aware of what were the things I learned as a child that I've inherently now adopted as my own way of parenting and how do I choose, you know, a new way. Um, a lot of parents kind of grapple with that idea of like, is this the right way or is this just the way that I've always known because my parents knew this way and, and down the line. Yeah. I mean, when you think about it, how, how much of what we do, especially parenting, you're right. How much of what we do is a reflection of how we were brought up and what we learned. And, and it's probably a lot more than we realize. I would think so. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I guess I'm just thinking back to yesterday when I said, be careful. It's funny because I had an immediate recognition of, I guess, I guess just that urgency that came through her to me, to hmm. you. And, and she would always be anticipating, you know, where that next step might, she, she would have said that to you. Yeah. Oh, if yeah. she was there, she would say, Lauren, be careful. You know, why, you know, because you were wearing sandals. And, sure. And, and not to mention my own past. I've had many, uh, many experiences <laughs> falling in places that were far less dangerous than that. So um, <laughs> today, with, you know, with such emphasis on mindfulness and mindful living, uh, I can understand why, why the Freudian kind of notion has kind of waned. But I, I think sometimes we go too far to the other extreme. I, I think that, you know, we tend to, you know, throw the, uh, what's that adage? Throwing the, something that, out with the, the cat out with the bathwater or something? Throwing the baby, baby out with the not the cat. <laughs> the baby. <laughs> so, so today we're, we're putting the baby back in the bath, in the bathwater. So I guess my point is our psyche is bundled. It's bundled together with all of these intricate things that we pick up and learn. And, and so why, why is it important and why is this podcast important? <laughs> you and, <laughs> and, is it? <laughs> and, and many may be asking that question right now. <laughs> it's it's so important. It's so fundamentally, this podcast is so fundamentally <laughs> important. It's earth shaking. It's world changing. And the reason it is, is because we have to understand that a lot of these imprints are unconscious. And if we make them aware, we start to become aware of our core reality. And I think we want to embrace those things that work for us. And we want to really let go of those things that don't work. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of people sometimes when they think about their past, there's certain things that they don't want to look at because 
they feel like they did something wrong or they feel guilty about an experience that they had or a reaction or a way that they acted in the past. And I would like to liberate anyone who's feeling that way from that experience because I truly believe that when you look back into your past, anything that you possibly did in your past was just a reflection of something that needed that you needed in that moment. Like you needed some way to either feel safe or to to grow in some way. And so I think that when we look back at our past, it helps to look at it from a way of knowing that we kind of did the best we could knowing what we knew at the time. And as we mature and we evolve, we can look back at those experiences and actually learn from them and grow from them and realize that when you know better, you can do better. Like Maya Angelou says. Is that what she said? Yeah. She said, when you know better, you do better. So the here and now me is really the here and was me. You get that? Yeah. So it kind of works, doesn't it? The here and now me is also an incorporation of the here and was me. And who was I? Who were you? Well, you were the evolving person that landed in this podcast today. And you are the you're the tar and feather that has become your life is it's not a positive metaphor, is it? Tar and feather. <laughs> You've been tarred and feathered with your past. <laughs> the good, the bad, the ugly, the happy, the sad. All of those past experiences are important. If you're really going to get a full glimpse of you and your world and how you are reacting, you know, I always I always get into neuroplasticity in terms of how the brain is shaped and molded and how it's forever being altered. When when we are growing up, we are imprinted, and by that I mean we form habits. Uh, and these habits, if they're reinforced, become habit loops in the brain. And these habit loops are resistant to change, especially if they're reinforced, and they they travel with us through life. Mm. So, so you know, the thing is, when we talk about the past, it's it's great that the positive past follows us through life, the loving memories we have, the the good friends, the things that make us feel good about ourselves, and those are those are nice to reinforce. But the negative, the neurotic things. Uh, they are also imprinted in our brain. So there are certain memories that are just kind of locked into the brain that that are really just hanging out there, you know? Yeah. Well, they say like the stronger, the stronger emotion that you feel, the more likely that experience will get stored in the long-term memory. That right? makes, makes kind of sense. Yeah. Because, you know, we're always talking about evolutionary times, but I guess especially if if there's a traumatic event, uh, and you need to learn that, you know, that snake should not be touched or mm-hmm. that snakes in general, I don't think should be touched, but uh, that's Grandma Mary. See, I just caught that. <laughs> she uh, had such a fear of snakes. Wow. <laughs> so why would, that's a good example then. Why Why would the first example I gave of, of traumatic things to be avoided be a snake? Well, there you go. It was passed right down. Passed yeah. right down. Past, was it uh, pass it forward or backward and pay it forward pay it forward <laughs> yeah so so what were we just talking oh we're talking about the brain and the habit forming of the brain the, yeah. the habit loops and the, additionally 
those habit loops also trigger emotion in the body. So even though the brain is reinforcing those loops without us even realizing it, we also don't realize that they're all, they're triggering emotion that's being held in the body. And so that emotion is, it's almost like your body, when the, when the habit loop is happening in the brain, your body almost craves the emotion to accompany it without, Mm -hmm. without noticing it. So this is all happening behind the scenes, but would, would, would that be the same thing when you you have an intense emotion without much cognition where you're not even sure why you're having the emotion, but you're just reacting? Yeah, I think that's exactly it. And sometimes we have those like feelings of dread, but we don't know what's wrong uh, or feelings of anxiety and you don't know why. It's often because those habit loops are happening without our consciousness mm-hmm. around them. But let's let's say you, you've been in an automobile accident and you, you hear a screech of a tire and you immediately start perspiring and going into a panic mm. almost without any thoughts because you know the habit loop is so intense and the reaction is so immediate yeah yeah so true so the brain the brain is is designed and encoded to to kind of recall these experiences and like you say the more traumatic the more emotional they are the uh, the more likely it is that they will follow us through life what is critically important is to decide, you know, first of all, we have to become more aware. So we have to become, we're kind of aware of the here and now me, or we're, we're becoming more aware through mindfulness and therapy and just life itself is teaching us. Mm-hmm. So we're becoming more aware of the here and now me, but the here and was me is, is just as important because the me that was evolving and growing up uh, just started to accumulate like a magnet accumulates bits and pieces and shards of metal along the way. So we're, we, we've, we are the accumulation of all of that debris mm. that, has, that has followed us. So getting in touch with what was, we have to make a decision with awareness whether, whether what we are reacting to or that pattern or that habit loop is serving us. So uh, I think a good mantra is what serves me and what hurts me. Mm. So that's that's part of the awareness. I think that's really important is what what really serves me. For example, if I if I react to uh, or overreact to you being careful uh, down the road, because we were talking about you walking and yeah. yeah. Because down the road, if if I keep overreacting like that, it's going to become a real burden to you, and I'm going to just seem like a neurotic father. So it, it really doesn't serve me to overplay that hand or to be as cautious, because it doesn't serve me. Especially if if my more rational, relaxed mind would would really not go down that path. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not a good example, but I think you get my point. Yeah, I get your point, definitely. And yeah, I think that people often react without awareness I guess similar to what you're saying when you say be careful and I think when you bring some awareness to it your present me might have a different approach than your what did you call it was me my here and was me here and was me remember the Austin Power movies mini me the mini me yeah (laughs) So there's the here and now me, there was the here and was me, and then there's the mini me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the here and was me when I, like, I know growing up, I never was someone that had an easy time standing up for myself. That was something that I think it was ingrained. Well, 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 you're going to blame me for that too? No, I'm not blaming you. (laughs) 
I'm not blaming you at all. It's my fault. I know. I knew it. I knew it. No, 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 no. We should have never done these podcasts together. Now it's coming out. <laughs> oh, no. No, but I don't think it was. It wasn't necessarily a bad thing. It was just like I, I was more of a people pleaser. Like I didn't really like to cause conflict because I didn't know if I'd be able to deal with the conflict. I don't. I still don't like conflict. But my here and now me is more aware of my tendency to avoid conflict and so just being aware of that I can ask myself the here and now me is this something is it serving you to avoid the conflict yeah. right or are you able to address it in a, in a mature way um, even though that's not the habit loop the habit loop is to run away but the here and now me knows that sometimes I need to uh, fight against that loop and so so awareness is the first step and you you employ that in your life and you you you've just articulated that uh, i guess i guess the awareness of it you know you, you have to be kind of looking especially in those moments where you kind of get a tinge of something else you know i mean we can't just be going around being aware of all of our awareness because <laughs> it would drive me crazy but but especially those things that create any kind of emotional reaction uh, any kind of concern. Yes. Uh, why am I acting like that? Or why did I say that? Or, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, I think anytime you feel discomfort, that's the moment you want to ask yourself, well, what's going on? Is there some sort of loop happening? Is there something that I need to learn from this situation? It's always in the discomfort that we uh, find hmm. what we're looking for. Wait, just, I wish I had, I wish I had had this conversation before I chose the song I did. Because you know what song I would have used for today's podcast? What? Here we go, loop de loop. <laughs> That's a good one. It's a looping around. That's from it's the fifties or sixties. That would have been a good song. That would have been. Sorry. That's okay. I like the one you chose too. Yeah, maybe I'll just edit edit it in or something. I think it's okay. <laughs> so we have to we have to respect the fact that we are patterned human beings, yes. for better or worse. And it's probably more advantageous to understand the negative patterns just because those are the ones that can kind of ruin a good day, if you know mm -hmm. what I mean. And the positive patterns we can embrace, but I don't think they deserve or need as much attention because they you know, they add to our lives, they embellish our lives. And, and I don't think we need to be as aware of that. Uh, so it's, it's, yeah. it's really, kind of, I guess we're kind of narrowing this down to the things that cause havoc or problems. Those are the awareness, those habit loops that will continue to go on if, if reinforced. You know, this is what operant conditioning is all about. If something is reinforced, it's going to be likely that that will happen again and again. So we have to uh, we have to really find ways to neutralize and not be reinforcing. Yeah, you know, it's like a child that that cries every every time you, you every time you slap them. You know? Oh my <laughs> gosh! <laughs> no, I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. I was thinking of a child. Every time a child, uh, you know, say um, wants something and they whine and whinge, and if that if that something is given to them immediately all the time to shut them up, you know, then of course you're reinforcing that bad behavior. Right. But 
that child may grow up like like only children don't you look at me like that <laughs> uh or the you know the youngest in the families usually you know when we grow up even birth order has a lot to do with it depending on how parents dote over you or don't yeah. uh and and those things you know when you become an adult like i'm an only child okay i i, I confess and sometimes you have an expectation of you know wanting to want what you get what you want when you want it because you know there was no one else to compete for those attentions as a kid right so so sometimes understanding and, and having the awareness of the the habit loops that have defined us is just another way of deciding what serves me what hurts me the more you do that and the more the less that you reinforce behaviors that you don't agree with like the, the spoiled child uh, the more you neutralize those habit loops. Now, do we ever extinguish the habit loops in the brain? Probably not. Maybe we don't really get rid of those and they may possibly crop up here and there throughout a lifetime, but, but essentially they, they aren't like a, a recurrent theme in our lives and we can neutralize them quite a bit. So I, I, don't, I don't think it really matters that we extinguish old negative habit loops, but I think it's important to neutralize them and to replace them with, uh, you know, positive habits. Yeah, I love the quote that says, today is the first day of the rest of your life, because at any moment you can decide that you want to pay attention to your habit loops, bring awareness to them and choose differently for your future. Like you can shift the course of your life by bringing awareness into the future instead of allowing the past to dictate the future bring the bringing the past into your future no 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 <laughs> not allowing the past to no. dictate your future uh, yeah i guess i guess dictate is a good word because once we become passive to our own habits then we are not calling the shots it's almost like the past has the potential to dictate so we become passive uh, and the antidote to that is to become more active thinkers. And, and when it comes to feeling that you have no choice or that you're helpless, uh, it's just not true. It's just maybe the reflexiveness of these habits seems to make it feel that way. Mm -hmm. But as we've said time and time again, we always have choice, right? Yeah, we do. The way our mind is structured we do tend to uh, reside more in the past than the future. And I think that's, that's kind of a common experience. If you think about it throughout the day, are you really thinking about the now? That's the practice that you Most say. people spend their entire day in the past or future in mm. their mind-made constructs. Like no, that's not, a good point. Most people don't experience the present unless you train yourself to. It's not a natural state of that's, that's the such mind. a good point, Lauren. You know, it's anxiety and depression do not reside in the present, do they? No, they the, can't exist there. The anxious person is anticipating things going awry, and the depressed person is looking back with regret. The more you do that, the deeper you go into your depression or anxiety. So, so you're absolutely right. The mind just seems to have a proclivity for, for not living in the present. That's why it's so hard, you know, when you, when you say be present, be mindful, uh, it doesn't come natural, does it? It doesn't come natural to the mind, no. <laughs> yeah, I had heard that the only one that perhaps was completely present was the Buddha. 
and it, it's it doesn't seem like it's you can aspire to be totally present but also the buddha lived like under a tree and had no responsibilities <laughs> and nothing he had to do in the real world so i think it's possible to attain it if you uh can go ahead and be a monk far away from what if the... i just go out and kind of live under the tree in the yard for a while will that help yeah it's probably possible hmm. as long as you can uh Lived, so, so you're not advocating living under trees, are you? <laughs> no, I'm just saying that there's a uh, there's a way to practice presence as little glimpses throughout the day, and just those small glimpses can can actually affect your entire existence. Like you don't need to live your life in the present moment, even though you know on some level you are, but <laughs> you don't need to um, do that at all times. You just have to know how to access it in the moments where you need a, uh, to refresh and reconnect. Okay, well that makes perfect sense that, that what we really need to do is kind of replenish, refresh, catch a breath kind of thing. The, the more you practice being in the now, being present, uh, the more you're infusing your life with a kind of energy uh, rather than exhausting your life with past future kind of worry or concern. And I guess, I guess some optimism about the future isn't a bad thing. It's okay to leave the present if, if you're you know, looking forward to a happy day or something wonderful happening in the future. Yeah, I think that helps to break some negative loop. Um, but there are some people that actually <laughs> go to great lengths to feel present within their mind, like if you think about people who go skydiving or do these like crazy adrenaline rush sort of adventures, really what they're seeking is for their mind to release, to, to actually be fully in the present moment, mm -hmm. because in those experiences, there is really no, no uh, choice. No choice. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're actually putting yourself into the present moment in a very drastic and extreme way. But, but I, I believe that's why people really do love thrill seeking because it um not i mean also the adrenaline and the the chemicals released but but you feel fully present for that time and it it's it's an awesome release you know and and that makes perfect sense because if you weren't fully present as a skydiver or something you would die correct so and and i could also see where for someone that's plagued with uh, past future kind of worrisome thinking and anxiety thinking depression having that respite to be able to jump out of that plane and for those moments where you're free falling and everything to be totally on the other side of that neurotic life once you come back down to the ground so i could see where that's something they would look forward to doing and i was while while you were talking i was also thinking that sometimes like in a conversation with someone and you've, you've known people that they just kind of stare at you and you know they're not really listening and i know when i counsel or coach people i I kind of, in helping them learn social skills, uh, you have to really become more present and focused on what's being said. You can't be in your mind saying, what am I going to say or how am I going to impress or what I'm going to do tomorrow. If you're going to be effective in communicating, you have to be totally present. So true. And the more present you are, the more the other person feels that presence. Yeah. So socially, I think it's, it's really important. If you want to be a better communicator, uh, if you want to be more popular, I think that the key is to let people know that you are really focused and present when they are speaking, you know, not to be selfishly thinking about your own agenda. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that in everyone's life, you could probably think about someone, you know, who is very often 
present for you. And when you think about that person and how good it feels to be in their presence, that's the proof that, you know, finding that way to hold space and to be present for others is like the greatest gift you can give somebody. Yeah, Lauren, I'm sorry. I was just thinking about lunch. What I was going to have, I wasn't <laughs> well, Can you repeat this? No, I can't. When, when you teach, I guess that that's a profession that demands presence because with kids, there's a spontaneity in the air and you have to be able to react so quickly and, and so effectively to just every nuance. And for the teacher that is not a good teacher, and of course there are not good teachers as there are not good psychologists, that's a teacher who's looking at the watch and maybe trying to sneak in a little texting and not really paying attention to the kids. So. So I guess whatever you do, uh, maybe bean counting isn't that important, but whatever you do, the more present you are, the more focused you are, the more involved you are in the task, even a mundane task. If if you do it well and you put you invest yourself in it, uh, I think that you make it a better experience for you and anyone that might be affected by that behavior. Yeah, and also recognizing that whatever's happening in in the moment is all that exists for you. So that's where your attention should be. That's what you should be engaging in as opposed to thinking about or engaging in something that, you know, in your mind that doesn't quite exist at that time. Yeah, it's like the Zen adage, chop wood, carry water. Life can be very simple and chopping wood and carrying water can be very arduous if you hate it. But if you do it with full heart and full mind, even the most mundane aspects of our lives can become maybe not meaningful, but there can be a sense of purpose in what we do. And everything that we do and touch and, and everything that comes from us is a, really a manifestation of us. So whatever you create, whether it's intrinsic or extrinsic, we need to value that. We need to take both responsibility for it and, and we need to take pride. If you if you just trash your life by saying nothing I do matters, then nothing you do will ever matter. Right. Yeah. I would say the meaning of life is the meaning you put into life. And that's really a choice that we make. And in your lexicon, it's a choice we make moment to moment. Yes. Are you making a moment to moment right now? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You don't seem like it. Well, I'm... <laughs> Well, let me tell you, I know, I know the reason uh, that, that you're tailing off is because you've been waiting for me to ask you what time it is. Oh, you're right. See? Well, See? no, I that, know. that's not I read true, that. though. I've been fully present, so I haven't been thinking about the future. Well, you've been fully present, but I've been more fully present. So, <laughs> so I wonder if there's a competition for so, so, so I'm, I'm so tuned into the now and and you and and not into my own head that I realize that that you're just really becoming impatient because you ha I haven't asked you what time it is. Mm. So there I go ahead and that ask. That must be it. Well, I do happen to know what time it is. <laughs> the time is now <laughs> for your self coaching. <laughs> Oh, I was going to say self-coaching podcast. You're right. It's it's time for the self-coaching pep talk of the day. And today's pep talk, how do you neutralize a troubled past? Obviously, not all hysterical imprints are negative. 
but some are. And now it's time to neutralize those reflexive imprints that don't serve us. Neutralize them one by one. Neuron by neuron, circuit by circuit, you can begin to neutralize these troublesome imprints in your brain by training yourself to live according to life's here and now facts rather than historical knee-jerk contamination. Become more aware of your reflexive beliefs and reactions to life. Decide what serves you and what hurts you. Do this when you're actively beginning the process of reprogramming your brain to go from struggle to solace, from past contamination to present living. Remember, what serves you, what hurts you. Did that serve you, my my wonderful Your millennial daughter? Your talks always serve me. But we didn't talk about any millennial stuff at all today. No, you mentioned texting at one point, but do you, many, it? Do you know how many times mail was delivered when I was a kid? <laughs> um, so random. No. Twice a day. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. Fact. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw out uh, a a baby boomer fact from now on in our podcasts. Wow. Okay. You like that? Yeah. Good. Sounds good. So, uh, what's on your agenda with uh, self studios learning? I got. Did I get it? You got it. You got it. That was very impressive. Self studios learning dot com. Tell anything going on? That might be the first time you said it correct. It is. It is. Yeah. I know. Something to celebrate. Well, nothing currently, other than we're getting all of our curriculum and classes ready for the fall session. So you can check out the website for some updates and also follow us on Instagram. That would be great. And session. that website is. Let's do it together www. You have to do www. I'm a baby boomer. Okay, okay. Us millennials don't need the www. www.selfstudioslearning.com. We should do a jingle. That would be wonderful. Oh, that'd be fun. Selfstudioslearning.com. And that happens to be the sponsor of self-coaching. And we are very proud of self-studios learning. Lauren happens to be the co-founder and uh, she's also the co-founder of my podcast because mm. without her, we wouldn't have the electric that we do have. <laughs> so anyway, is there anything that you go, go, please? So I just had a random thought. Do you think that I could bring my meditation bell to the Yes, podcast? oh, I would love that. Or would it be too loud through the No, microphone? well, if you had to just, you know, hit it easy. Because I was thinking how when we were talking before about um you'd want to shut me up or something Bing! right that too <laughs> um no but that the bell I forget why I was thinking of this but it does it brings you into the present moment because if you concentrate on the sound of the bell and you try to wait to hear what like the second that it stops um it allows your mind to just kind of clear uh, for those few seconds and and it's interesting to see how after just a few seconds of focused attention, it can change the way you're you feel in that moment. Can you can you bring that in next week? Sure. Yeah, yeah I, I I use it with the kids at school, and it's very interesting to see how you could take a classroom of kids, you know, thirty kids that are all riled up, and when you do that just for like ten seconds, it changches the energy in the room. Wow, I like so that. it would be interesting to try. Yeah, I, think that, I, I I immediately can relate to that. I don't know why, because <laughs> I am a baby boomer. 
Although the Buddha was even before baby boomers. That's so. true. The Buddha, the Buddha goes way so back. So this isn't something that you guys have invented. You've just more or less hijacked it right from the Buddha. It's it's not a millennial thing at all. I think it's like an ancient Buddhist thing. Bing! Sound meditation. Just a lot of millennials like to have them in their schools. Yeah, there's a, a, a yogic practice and, and you put... Try to try to visualize this. You put your your thumbs <laughs> in your ears. Yeah. Oh, and do you hum? Yeah, oh. wait. And, and then you put your index fingers over your eyes. Close your eyes. Okay. And I forget what you do with your other fingers, but <laughs> <laughs> and then and then you go. Mm. We and, call that bumblebee breathing. Yes, cool. that's what it's called. And if it, if anyone listening to this has never tried it, seriously, just clog up your ears, close your eyes. Uh, and what are you supposed to do with your other fingers? Do you know? I don't. This I know. know I know. I remember from when I took yoga, there was something you did. But if you just do the eyes and the ears, and just go, mm, your your head, your cranium will vibrate. Yeah. And it, it's it's a very relaxing, soothing experience. It is. It? Yeah, because it, it it turns off your senses. Your senses. Mm. <laughs> do you know what the um sound stands for? Go ahead, tell me. It's if they took all of the sound vibration ah, in the universe and put it into one. Yeah. It's like what it's sound. like white light. It all it's all the colors coming together. Yeah. So that's why the sound itself is a symbol of oneness. See, Lauren, you're so brilliant. Mm. You and your millennial details and factoids. I really don't think that's a millennial detail. I know. Millennials just although a lot of millennials do like to practice yoga, I suppose. Yeah, it's true. Yoga and going to the gym yeah. and texting. Texting. All right, listen, I'm keeping you well beyond your pay grade here. And I know that uh, that you're dying to get out there and do some skydiving. So, <laughs> so you, unless you have something else to say, I, I mean, I think we've we've really beaten down all the bushes and we've we've explored a, a, a topic worth talking about. But nevertheless. It's time to make old acquaintance. acquaintance be <laughs> and I, wait a second. What? What? May old acquaintance be forgot? Yeah. You want to forget everyone in your past? I know. That's why it's it's such it's a contradictory cool. song, you know. And I'm sorry. I have to investigate. This yes. doesn't sound right. Yeah. It's terrible. And never brought to mind. Wow, that's kind of <laughs> that is sad. <laughs> like the hell with my friends get out of that's here that's like the ultimate practice of presence you're out of my life <laughs> wow okay well so, so I, I will never forget our presence line. okay and visit our websites we'll start out with selfstudioslearning.com and that other website selfcoaching.net where you can learn more about our self-coaching philosophy and while you're there check out my latest bing Number one best-selling <laughs> book, Unlearning Anxiety and Depression, the four-step self-coaching program to reclaim your life. So until next time, remember that being victimized by emotional struggle is not an option. By definition, victims are powerless and you are not powerless. So remember, everything is hard until you make it simple. So join me, Lauren and me every week 
And what do you say we make it simple together? Believe in yourself, reach out for your dreams. Don't surrender, there is more than it seems. Hold on and fight, follow your heart. This is your way, love is what you make.